0: I wasn't expecting that offer for Greg, but that was, that was great. That was beautiful. I invite you friends to open your Bible to Matthew chapter 8, verses 18 to 22. You can find that in your pew Bible on page 813, page 813. As we continue our series, Following Jesus, the Ultimate Adventure. I'm talking about our discipleship process here at Nealsville. How we, how we grow as, as believers in Christ. We worship God. We grow spiritually. This week and next week, we're talking about the idea of growing spiritually. We go to serve, and we celebrate changed lives. Now, I want to talk about something very important from the outset of this morning's message. There are too many dangerous websites out on the World Wide Web. Pages on the Internet that if you click them, and explore them, and follow them, it will cost you dearly. I want to warn you and your children about one such website in particular, but it's not alone. There are tens of thousands of websites carrying the same message as this one, but I want to point out one in particular. The website address, if you're taking notes, is www.neelsville.org. Our church website contains dangerous propaganda. There's a message all over this site that's likely to cause serious consequences in your life. If you start following the one that this website is propagating. The message of this site is is picking up steam. I I did a little fact checking. In the last 30 days, this www.nealsville.org has been viewed by over... 1300 unique computers that's over 2400 eyeballs all over the world in fact i noted that there have been 43 different countries in the past week alone 10 nations from russia to peru thailand to saudi arabia and this morning as of yesterday uh, evening four other nations were added so people are finding this website website all over the globe. The message is the gospel. It's right there under the page, who we are. And if you click who we are, and then you click what is the gospel, the first line, it's a quote from Pastor Tim Keller, it says this, the gospel is, we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe, and at the same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope who would believe that it goes on to say that salvation is found in no one other than jesus christ and it goes on to say that you must trust jesus christ he must be the first priority in your life in order to be a christian disciple friends i am warning you if you take this message to heart and accept this invitation to believe that Jesus Christ is your Savior and Lord and the only Savior and Lord in all of the universe. It will cost you dearly. That's not just me saying it. it it's, it's a warning that's also contained in the website. It's under a page called What We Believe. You click there about what this church believes and it says this. It says people at this church believe in the necessity, quote, in the necessity for Christians to follow Jesus Christ in personal and often costly discipleship. Now look around at people next to you. There are people sitting, go ahead, look who's sitting next to you. They're paying for this website to go out to the whole world. And they're saying that this is what they believe. In the necessity that it's necessary for Christians to follow Jesus in personal and often costly discipleship this is a message that's throughout scripture and indeed on the very lips of jesus himself and we find that in today's passage that the savior of the world who died for our sins and invites us into a new life to follow him and to obey him and to grow into the people of god that we were elected and called to be and created to be will cost something it's a prepaid invitation, but if accepted, there's a cost. And it's found right here in today's passage. There are two points that I want to pull out of the passage before we read the text. Normally we would read it, but i try trying to build a little suspense here if you didn't notice. The first point is this. Number one, the Lord Jesus wants us to count the cost of discipleship. Verses 18 to 20. Let me set the scene. This is just after the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus has healed many people, giving proof positive that he is the Messiah, proof positive that the kingdom of God is indeed at hand. So everything that he taught that astounded the people, that he taught like none other, but now he backs it up with these miraculous healings and deliverances. And the crowd is growing and and pressing in so much so that Jesus gave order to his band of brothers Let's get on a boat and head across the Sea of Galilee to the other side. What happens that night on the sea? Does anyone remember? Do you remember what happens? Joaquin is out there. That's right. Now, disciples, this this merry little band of misfits, they are soaking up and learning everything they see from Jesus. Today, in the church, even in our church, the primary way we make disciples is from teaching. Teaching from the pulpit, in a classroom, in a small group, giving you information and and resources so you can be self-taught. But Jesus did more than that. He did plenty of that, teaching like the greatest sermon ever taught, the Sermon on the Mount. But, But he did more than just teach. He turned these men into apprentices. He immersed them in life. He invested life in them. They lived together. They did everything with one another. In every facet of life, Jesus was there with them, like an apprentice living in a master's workshop or like an exchange student. My uh, niece Nicole is in the south of, of in the coast of Spain uh, for six months, being immersed, going from high school, uh, college, Spanish to full immersion. Spanish. The kingdom culture was getting into them. That's what Jesus needed. These men and these women to be transformed. And then we pick it up in verse 18. Now when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go to the other side. And a scribe came up and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Jesus is inviting people everywhere he goes to to repent, to believe in in him, to believe that the kingdom of God is is close at hand. He's performing supernatural miracles in people's lives to to confirm that. And here comes along a scribe, a a theologian, a scholar, a well-to-do man in that society. And he acknowledges Jesus as a teacher, as a rabbi. And he does more than that. He says, I will follow you. He doesn't say, I'm checking you out. I'm, I'm curious to find out more of what you're teaching. Something what Nicodemus does. And he, he says, I will follow you. And he doesn't say, I'll follow you uh, when you're in my neighborhood, if you're, if you're in my region or my sphere of influence he says i will follow you where what does he say wherever you go i bet the disciples were saying bro get in the boat this is amazing you're you're a learned man we're, we're still trying to figure all this out and and how our, our the scriptures of torah are pointing to to jesus as the messiah and we still don't understand it but you get it we need you maybe you could Teach a new members class. <laughs> but instead of welcoming him aboard, instead of patting him on the back, Jesus throws this man a curve bar, a, a curveball, maybe a bar. Hello. He warns him. Jesus tests this man's commitment level right out of the gate. He asks him to be deliberate, to be sure of what he's getting himself into, to count the cost. I imagine Peter and the rest were shocked. Jesus, what, what are you doing? This, this is the kind of person we want on our team. But no. The Lord Jesus reminds this man that the humblest creatures in God's creation, of, of the foxes and the birds, they have homes provided for them, but not the Son of Man. The Son of Man is, is the title Jesus most often uses to refer to himself. It comes from Daniel chapter 7, prophecy pointing to the one uh, who dwells in heaven with the Ancient of Days, the one who will receive glory and, and, and a kingdom and dominion, one who will come on the clouds of heaven on that day, capital D. But that title, the Son of Man, also points to Jesus Christ's humiliation. At this time, there were all kinds of quacks and wackos walking around and saying, I'm God, I'm the Son of God. Only Jesus would refer to himself as the Son of Man. The one coming from heaven, being humiliated here on earth. Of the cost and the sacrifice that the Son of God was already paying before he went to the cross, to give up heaven, to come to earth. John 7, 53. This is after a scene of Jesus' teaching. It says, every man went to his own house. We can presume even the disciples. It says, every man went to his own house, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Jesus was homeless. He went and stayed in friends' homes from place to place. And in John 7, he slept outdoors in the Mount of Olives. I've been to the Mount of Olives. It's very rocky and windy there. But that's where Jesus spent the night in prayer with the Father. Jesus didn't have any worldly comfort to provide this scribe. And Jesus alone in this scene knows this man's heart. So he's basically asking Are you up for it? Are you up for it? Because I have nothing in this world to provide you. And what do you think? Is the scribe up for it? Well, apparently not. Because we never hear from him again. We hear from Nicodemus, but we never hear from the scribe. He never understood the fundamental to growing spiritually in discipleship are the principles Of self denial, sacrifice, and suffering. So the first point is this Jesus wants you to count the cost of discipleship. Now it's entirely possible this learned man wanted to follow Jesus, but it meant that he would have to give up too much of the things that made him comfortable. And the point isn't that as Christians, we're meant to, to get rid of all of our earthly possessions, get rid of our bed and, and our pillow. I just bought a new pillow at, at Bed Bath Beyond just yesterday, by the way, and sleep outside like Jesus did. No, the point is this, that we are to ask God for faith to entrust all things to him, to follow Jesus, to grow in knowledge and wisdom and understanding and, and a kingdom culture is through self-denial and sacrifice and even suffering. That's what it means when we say as a church and we propagate out there that it's necessary at times to follow Jesus in costly ways. At Stewardship Time, we talk about giving of our time, talent, and treasure and that is a very important message. But I'm struck by Jesus' words Here in Matthew 8, he's saying, To follow me is through the way of self denial, service, and sacrifice. And for this man, this would be disciple, the cost was too much. What does it cost you to follow Jesus? What does it cost you to be here this morning? The second part of the scripture, the Lord Jesus wants us to acknowledge him as our first priority. Verse 21 and 22, another disciple said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. Now, this time we have someone who is already a disciple of Jesus, and he's asking for just a little bit of time to get his affairs into order. First, Jesus, first, Lord, let me go home. Growing spiritually, the the second phase of our discipleship process has a cost and a price to pay. It, It may not always be comfortable to follow Jesus, And it also may not be convenient. Being a disciple means making Jesus and his kingdom our number one priority. Now, on first reading, we're likely to say, what's wrong with letting him go and and bury his father? Jesus, that's a a funeral that's about to happen. And and it might seem harsh to say, leave the dead or, or or the spiritually dead, to bury their own dead. There's plenty of evidence in in my studies that would suggest that these words in the ancient times might have other meanings. Uh, After a a dearly departed one, um, in that culture you would have 30 days, uh, 30-day period of of mourning. And still in other examples of of using this this phrase would mean, let me go and care for my family. Uh, My father is is getting on in years, and so he's not dead yet, but I'm, I'm the oldest son, perhaps, and I need to carry, for, carry my family forward uh, through this season. And then when, when things, when the inevitable happens, then I can come and join you. So the timeline could be longer, but still, it's a tough word to understand, isn't it? Following Jesus has a cost, number one. And number two, following Jesus is to be our first priority. Look at the scene. Here is a disciple face-to-face with God in human flesh who is about to take the disciples on the next step of their amazing journey out to the middle of this sea where they will learn to trust God in all circumstances, and he's asking for a mulligan. He's asking for a pass. So my question to you, what do we miss when we second-guess the Spirit's leading? When the Spirit prompts you, when an opportunity comes your way, and we say, oh, I'm going to second-guess that, what have you missed? The lesson is not that, that... uh, prioritizing means dishonoring our parents or, or leaving our family behind to go serve full time or, or the Christians should, should not go to funerals or, or not mourn their loved ones. Obviously that's not the message because Jesus shows his great love and affection for people in general, his compassion for the crowds and in loved ones in particular. No, he's not saying that. What he's saying and what we can take away from uh, Matthew's gospel here Jesus is emphasizing that there is nothing in life that comes as a first priority before God. He must be number one in your life. There are no excuses. There are no but first litmes in being a disciple of Jesus Christ. And the more and more you add those excuses, the further and further you will fall behind. Think about all the things that come between you and growing as a disciple in Jesus Christ. And what is it? What is Jesus saying about about them? He's saying, we have work to do. The work and the good deeds he's prepared for you and for me indeed are to be the main responsibilities in our life. The things that God has has blessed you with, your family, uh, the, the career that you've, you've been called to, the responsibilities, those very, may, very, very well may be the first priorities that he says, yes, this is where I have you to do work and good deeds. He very well may want us to, to have the comforts and the relationships and the conveniences that we enjoy in this life, but we have to be willing to let them go. We have to be ready to invest them as as he calls us forth to do so. What do we sing? We didn't sing this today. Maybe we should. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my will and make it thine. It shall be no longer mine. It shall be no longer mine. Take my heart. It is thine own. It shall be thy royal throne. Long before the internet, this church was propagating a message about our priorities. That he's to be number one. The gospel is a dangerous yet beautiful message. The danger is your life will never be the same again. It will change. The beauty is Christ himself. Christ with you in the storms, in all seasons of life. We can experience it and know our faith is sure because we believe, and in believing faith, uh, counts the costs and prioritizes Jesus and his kingdom and rests on Christ in all circumstances. God's calling on your life far exceeds the worldly comforts you enjoy today. God's primacy in your life far exceeds the duties and tasks and errands and to-do lists you have today. God's plan for your life far exceeds the circumstances of your day. I'll end with this old expression. In happy times, praise God. In difficult times, seek God. In quiet times, worship God. In painful times, trust God. And in every time, in every season, thank God. Let's do that now. Let's thank him together. Oh God, we hear your word to us today. Psalm 95, 6. O oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Be our Lord today. May the words of Galatians 2, 20. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live is by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself me. Lord Jesus, may those words ring true in our lives today. Be our first priority, Lord. Be our source of comfort. We pray in your precious name. Amen.